Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 169, 169, and we're still working on the, uh, uh, the gospel according to Mark. Um, unfortunately, because of, um, because of my work schedule and, uh, other things, um, uh, you know, mainly work schedule, really, it got into way, um, sadly, I wasn't able to keep up with it. <clears throat> I was, uh, trying to with a lot of Catholic commentary and everything. So, um, also something else came to my mind. Um, there's a book I really would like to share with, um, with you guys, it's called "The Way of the Pilgrim." It's a uh, a beautiful Orthodox classic, and mainly it focuses a lot on prayer. Um, basically, especially the uh, the the Jesus prayer, which is what it mainly focuses on. But I think we're gonna do that for. Lent. I think that's probably a good thing because I don't want to do too many things. Um, what I want to do is, I know like I kind of like basically messed up a little bit maybe because of the scheduling and everything. Um, I'm going to try to basically do this more free-flowing, this reading of the Gospel of Mark because I'm not giving up on it. <laughs> I don't think I should. We kind of made some some progress in the beginning when we read some commentary and everything. And the commentary is helpful, I think. But I think the problem is, is that um, for me, it kind of takes off the focus um, on trying to, uh, reading it as an ordinary Catholic. And I think maybe it takes away a little bit of the intimacy of, uh, inter you know, like reading it and meditating on it. Because I know a lot of people don't have time to look up all these things. And I think for the problem is, is that like for evangelical Christians, regular Protestants, it's easy because they have an environment, I think, that promotes Bible study. Meanwhile, we Catholics, we have... Um, we have the tools for it, but for some reason we don't use it. And, and I think a lot, it has a lot to do depending on the environment in your parish, in, 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 you know, in your regular church environment. Like for example, I go to a, a beautiful basilica. It's a fantastic basilica. And unfortunately, I don't think they do enough to promote Bible study. I don't know if it's the structure, maybe the um, the way it's structured. A lot of times, for some reason, I don't I don't see things posted on the boards for Bible study. I don't see um, you know like a, a Bible study group. It there should be. I, I live in New York City. I don't know. I don't know if it's the parish. 
or it's the parish life, or the problem is they just don't seem to, uh, I'm not saying I I don't think they, um, I don't want to say that they don't care. I I think that's wrong. And I think it's, it's wrong to say that it's just for some reason, you know, and I'm not, and, and I don't, and I'm not talking about because the fact it's COVID even before COVID, there was just no promotion of it. And that's, I think, problematic. There should be a promotion of it. Um, We have a lot of programs now, more than there has ever been before. Um, I know this because since my conversion in 1997, I used to listen to Scott Hahn and many others on a cassette tape. Then came the CDs, right? And now we have podcasts. We have YouTube. We have eBooks. We have Amazon Kindle books. And I honestly have to say, it's no excuse. You don't have to be a scholar a trained scholar. You don't have to have a degree in Bible study, in catechism study. You could do this on your own. And I'm not being, and I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to beat this down on people that people are, uh, you know, are not good Catholics because they don't. I think the problem is, is promoting it, encouraging people to do it encouraging people that they can do it. Maybe it's confidence. Maybe there's, it's a, there's a lack of confidence in some people. Um, I think it's also not, de- uh, it's not developing a good study habit. It's not, it, it's, they're not being promoted to do that. And that's, I think bad. I think it's the culture. I blame it on regular parish culture. That's what I blame it on. I, you know, I do believe that an act, that uh, every person can do this. Okay. I understand it's hard to make the time to sacrifice the time. I know this because I know my friend Henry, he puts in the time. He really does. He really does put in the time. And, and, you know, to, to really teach people catechism. I just was part of a Zoom catechism meeting with him uh, last night at six o'clock from six to eight. And it's, it's great. You know, it's hard work. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It's really is. It's hard work for him. You know, the, to come up with the with the uh, the topic, to come up with the, the 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 work, the work plan, the catechism study plan, it's not easy work. It's not easy work for him because he's doing this for people who want to become Catholic, who want to go through the through, through the RCIA program, right of Catholic initiation for adults, and it's hard work. But here's something important if you want to know you cannot know what you don't love 
All right. If someone, if you really want to, if you love somebody, you have to get to know them to better know them so that you can better love them. All right. Love to love someone is to truly know the person. All right. And that, and, and to better love them, you have to get to know them better to understand them. Now, God is a mystery, but he's a person. And like any person, it takes time to know them. I mean, you know, if a man must know his wife so he can better love her, a woman must know her husband so she can better love him. Uh, an example and I want to use this in the show, The Chosen. There's a scene in the show. This is what about this, the woman at the at the well. They kind of given her a name and a, a person, you know, a, you know, for the show because you have to do this. She goes back to her last husband, and she paid some scribe to write out a divorce paper according to the law of Moses. She goes into the house and he's sitting very depressed by the fire. And, you know, he hoped when she came in, he kind of knew it was her. And he said, I was hoping would it be a, a thief or a killer to put an end to my misery. He's depressed because his wife is not with him anymore. She left him. And he tells her to get, there's a moment where he tells her to come closer so he can better look at her and he can see her face is red and her hair is matted. She's sweaty. She was carrying, she, she just came back from the, the well, uh, carrying water and she has to carry these two large, um, clay jugs tied to each end and it's hard work. I mean, I probably would have used a donkey. I think it would have been a better, much easier. And he says to her, your hair is matted and your face is red and sweaty. And she says, you know why? And he, and he says to her, if you come back to me, you would go to the well with the other woman in the cool of the day, in the cool of the morning, before the sun reaches zenith. It's much easier. And the point I'm trying to point to there is that he noticed that about her. He noticed these, um, this, that, that she looked exhausted and, and her face was red from the, from the heat of the sun and she was sweaty. Her hair was messed up and she looked exhausted. That shows you he loves her. That shows you he loves her and that she shouldn't look like this. She shouldn't have to do this. If she stays with him, she would be treated with respect by the other women instead of a woman who is now in, in, in disunity with her husband and is living under the roof of another man. So he knows his wife and he knows what's good for her. He knows what's not good for her. And that's the point, because when you love someone, you wish them the better good. You wish them something better. 
we've gone to a society now where we we don't think about these things anymore. We just we see somebody and we automatically we want to love them without even getting to know them. And you know what happens when you get to know the person, you find out things about them you don't like, or you find out about things about them that's a, that doesn't agree with your qualities. But you did that without coming to know them first because automatically love for a modern generation is quickly triggered to pleasure, to fun, but without knowing the person. Sex is not love. It's pleasure. All right. Um, uh, quickly automatic fun is not love. What happens is eventually in time, the, the, the high comes to a low. And we associate it with boredom. This person is boring to me. This person doesn't make, is not fun anymore. Because automatically when you start to get to know the person, automatically when we meet somebody, there's a lot of cases where you, like guys don't want to get to know the girl's parents or family. Girls don't want to get to know the guy's family. They just want to be on the fun ride. Right? They just want to be on the fun ride. It's become more possession and a whole other things that unfortunately you just don't want to get to know the person. You want that person to give you the dopamine shot, the high shot of fun. And that that's the problem. But in a relationship, in a real relationship, the way God intended it is the time. Like if you notice in the gospels, Jesus says, come and follow me. Right. When after the baptism of John, Jesus goes into the desert. He comes back from the desert in the gospel of John. And John the Baptist, the Baptist sees Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They immediately too uh, follow him, Andrew and Philip. They go ahead and they follow him. And as they follow him, Jesus turns around and sees them and says, uh, Whom do you seek? And they say, Rabbi. Uh, we wish to know where you're staying. And he says, come and see. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I think around that time, uh, I could be wrong about the time, but the point is there's a moment of getting to know him and a moment for the, him to get to know them. And this is the three years as they're walking with him, listening to him, learning from him, Witnessing the miracles, the healings, the confrontation, right? They got to know him. I remember at the Last Supper, Philip says, Rabbi, just show us the Father and that is enough for us. And the Lord says, really, Philip, all this time you don't know. If you see me, you see the Father. You see 
he pointed out a moment of knowing. He didn't understand. They weren't listening. They didn't unravel the mystery slowly. That Jesus and the Father are one and the same. I and the Father are one and the same. If you see me, you see the Father. All these things of coming to know. You have to come to know the Lord. And you have to come to know him to better love him. Because he's giving you that opportunity. He's using. That's why he came to us in a person of Jesus. In the flesh. In matter. Some, my mom told me the other day on the radio, she was listening to um, a radio and a, a bunch of them like were Orthodox Christians, Greek Orthodox. And one of them says that God in Jesus came to us in a container. It may, it may sound offensive, but in a sense, you got to look at it in, in, the human, in the human container, in a package. In the what they're referring to in in a more layman secular term, um, you know, he came in, in, in as as the incarnation in the human package, and that's the person of Jesus. And when you you know think about it, it's true to some extent. It may not be poetic, but it's true. You know. It's true from a lay, from a from a secular layman perspective. It's it's not one that I think they would promote in a catechism class, but I guess it's it's one way of of of, of communicating truth. And I think we you know we can agree with that. So, um, what I what I'm trying to do is is I'm trying keeping the background noise out is I really want us to really come to know the gospel. Um, to really, um, that was my attempt. And I think maybe, you know, I hope I did a good job, but it's, uh, again, I really want to start over again because I want us to come to, to, learn, uh, to learn how to read the Bible. And I really want to try to help you guys the purpose is to teach, to get you to read the Bible, to encourage you to really get to not to be afraid. There's some Catholics I know are kind of afraid. They're used to sticking to formulas, formulas that they were taught. But from my experiences talking to some friends, um, they weren't promoted to read the Bible growing up in those that time of the 50s or 60s or 70s they weren't told they weren't encouraged uh praying the rosary uh saying a novena those things are fine and they and I think they're good but but I think if you get to know God in the scripture I mean Catholics should not be afraid to reading the bible and I'm not saying all Catholics but there's some Catholics that I think are caught up caught up in a cultural cultural trend that it was not their business. My friend Henry in his catechism class, there's some people that don't think that in the, you know that reading the Bible, especially among the rad trads, there's some people who are really into the the, the traditional Latin mass group 
they want to go back to that culture of of the Latin mass. But if you listen to them, it seems like they want to go back to it because they think if they're just obedient Catholics and attend the Latin mass, but not be participants, that is a shortcut to get to heaven for some reason. And, and I'm going to tell you that that is, that is the wrong approach. That is the wrong approach, people. Because everybody keeps complaining about all the bad things that's been happening to the church from Vatican II. The sexual abuse crisis, the clergy abuse crisis, the financial abuse crisis, all those things that we, we, we have gone through and we're still going through them, especially like if you listen to Church Militant. Guess what? I'm telling you right now, if we are, we are in this mess, then that means there were there was a problem that we didn't see or we ignored before before these mess finally came to the surface and church militant unlocked a serious homosexual crisis that was going on long before Vatican II for at least 20 30 years that was actually hidden from the public eye it didn't make it to the public eye or newspapers for a long time and it was and and sadly when 1963 happened when the reforms took place and i'm not trying to blame it completely on the reforms although there were abuses and finally by 1970s it was too late it was way too late so why do you think that if going back to a traditional latin mass and i'm not against the latin mass i'm not saying there shouldn't be a Latin Mass, but let's be honest. It reading the Bible is not important. Going to a formula, a formula practicing Mass, where like you know, memorizing prayers in Latin and attending it, but never really, uh, you know, and never really paying attention, never really like. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Yes, you should. Even even someone with a Latin mass should should be able to read the Bible. Like Taylor Marshall says, read your Bible. And he's right, read your Bible. But going back to 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 the traditional uh traditional Latin mass only is not going to solve the problem. The problem is, is getting to know your faith and having people participate in the faith and having people uh, getting closer to God. You know, ignoring, ignoring all the changes. Like there are people who don't want to play the, um, the luminous mysteries. Um, for a while there, I actually struggled, uh, about this, but now I disagree. I think luminous mysteries are important. I think you can make, I think the rosary, I know, I know from Louis Montfort, you can use the rosary formula for any set of mysteries in the, in the, in, in it. It's, it's actually the scriptures, the, the, the rosary promotes that. And I think John Paul II, I think under the influence of the Holy Spirit gave us the luminous mysteries. Um, but also at the same time, um, just going back to catechism lessons of the Council of Trent 
and the Baltimore Catechism, just going back to uh, a particular set of formulas and pretend that the like for example there are people in the rat trad movement that don't even want to pray the um the the uh the divine mercy chaplet and yet the divine mercy chaplet was given to faustina before the before vatican II. i i don't get it i don't get i don't get this kind of behavior and thinking it's almost like like a bunch of brats want to hold on to something and say no 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 it has to be like this it's very Pharisaic. Well, you know what's happening to us is the same thing what happened in the in the um, in the temple. You know, uh, like when the the temple high priesthood became very politicized, the papacies become very politicized. the 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 office of cardinals and bishops have become very politicized. There were different sects and groups in even in the time of Jesus. You had the Essenes, you had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, you had the Herodians, you had uh, a whole bunch of different groups. You had the Zealots, on the other hand. Everybody had an idea of what Temple Judaism should look like. All right? And, and the high priesthood of Caiaphas and Annas, they weren't direct descendants of Aaron. They were Levites, but they weren't direct descendants of Aaron. If you go back to the Maccabees and the, uh, and the events of the Maccabees, the, re- the direct sons of Aaron became became uh, apostates. Some of them they fell into uh, Hellenistic uh, paganism. They developed. They, they started reading their Bible in Greek because they wanted to adopt a Greek culture. And it brought in the apostasy. It brought in the paganism. And what happened was is that they were overthrown in the process. They were overthrown. And and the the line of, of Aaron got reduced to uh, mere obscurity, which is what happened to Zechariah and Elizabeth. In a sense, it kind of protected the family line because... When Herod came in, Herod married Herod's family married into the Hasmonean family, which was the Maccabean family. And Herod uh, slowly removed the Hasmonean family because they were competition to power. Um, his wife, uh, I think it was Mariamne, her son—I mean, her son, her uh, brother—who was next to heir to the high priesthood, Herod had him uh, drowned. Uh, he had him murdered in a, a, a vacation. While he was taking a swim, he had the boy drowned. That's what people. That's what that's what Josephus says. It was the death was never proven. The investigation was never complete, but it was suspected that's what he did. And in that process, he started promoting men to the high priesthood. They had to go through the Caesars. The Caesars had to decide who was appropriate, who they chose, who was who was basically a good puppet. And so the high priesthood became politicized office. It became a controlled office, both by the Herods and the Caesars. And whoever was willing to work with them. So that actually caused divisions in certain groups 
you had the Essenes, you had the, uh, the Zealots, you had, I know, a bunch of different groups that basically that started, and probably a whole bunch of them that we'll never know about throughout history. But it did not, it did not mean that the high priesthood was not legitimate. It was still a high priesthood, just not the way it was supposed to be. Because if you remember in the Gospel of John later on, and I'm trying to say this because there are people who say that the that that the papacy is not legitimate, that the papacy of Francis is not legitimate, or uh, because the uh, the the stepping down of Benedict XVI means that it's not legitimate. It is legitimate because John says that when Caiaphas was high priest, he said. It is better for one man to die than an entire nation. It is legitimate. He said he said this. He would not have said this if he was not high priest that year. You see? If he was not high priest that year. And then remember when Jesus got arrested, he was first taken to see Annas, not Caiaphas. Because Caiaphas, because Annas, who was forced to step down from the priesthood because he couldn't control uh, certain political factions, he wanted to interview Jesus first. He was the real power behind Caiaphas. It didn't, it didn't delegitimize Caiaphas, but also it still gave, it still meant Annas was was the power play behind Caiaphas. He, because remember. It says in Luke, during when John appeared, it was during the pre, high priesthood of Caiaphas and Annas. It's it's a very tricky thing. It's a very tricky thing, but you gotta you gotta pay attention to the gospel writers. This is why I'm saying to these people, we can't go back. We cannot go back. We, we don't we don't ignore the past we don't ignore the customs and traditions and the Catholicism of the past we take the past we take the the the, the good things the 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 important things we take the we take the Latin mass and we go forward with the Novus Ordo there are things about the Novus Ordo I'm not crazy about. All right, there are a couple of things I want to talk about, but the most important thing I really want to talk about is going, f um, being holy. That's the most important thing. I, I want to talk about that. All right, so why, why are so many people attracted to traditional Latin mass? I admit I like it. I I do, but I do not have access to it. But I much prefer the um the the three year cycle uh readings of the of the of the Roman Missal that we use now in the Novus Ordo. I wish it could be conformed with the traditional uh liturgy. Um because I think the scriptural choices are better. 
I think it's more extensive, and I think we need more. Now, um, you've got those who, who I believe truly do love the Latin Mass. But you can't say that uh, everything about the Nova Soto is bad. It isn't. I mean, Scott Hahn, who, con- who converted to Catholicism many years ago, decades ago in the 80s, doesn't say that the Roman, the, the, the Nova Soto is bad. As a matter of fact, he loved the scriptural passages. That's what got him converted. So you can't say it's bad. The problem, I think, is that there's a lot of abuse and a lot of uh, 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 theater uh, productions, like a like a Broadway show uh, control uh, of the Norris Ordo. It's been it's been a lot of abuses, lots of abuses by the by the uh, the bishops, by the priests, uh, by lay people. You know, uh, liturgical dances, uh, puppet shows. Uh, you know, bad. Uh, bad music. Oh, the music is even worse. The 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 uh, the of the Nova Soto, the the stu- the stupid music that they use. It's just horrible. Um, communion in the hands, which none of the Vatican II documents, none of the Vatican II documents say there should be a communion in the hands. None of it. Okay, there's nothing in Vatican II documents that say the priest must face the people. This was all pastoral abuses, choices that were made uh, by the local bishops and by priests and by a bunch of other liturgical uh, abuses, people who were in charge of it. There's a lot of stuff in there that was never, and it never said that the Latin was not to be used. It never said that as well. What happened was, was a complete hijack, hijacking of Vatican II. Admittedly, admittedly, there are parts of Vatican I have never read all of them. I've only read some, and I'm only beginning to study the documents. But if you listen to Scott Hahn, if you listen, and he's a very good teacher. He really is. And he's, uh, I think he's one of the best that we have now. And there are others too, but it's, the problem is, I think, is that it's just who, you know, Catholics, regular lay Catholics and professors, certain professors who just simply decided to run with the bishops without questioning. And I'm not saying all the bishops are bad. They're not all bad. But you can't ignore the development. You can't ignore what the church, the church herself through the Holy Spirit permits. Yes, there should, it should never have gone the direction that it did. But I have no control of it. I'm just a lay person. All right? I'm just a lay person. I mean, I'm... I'm just one one individual, but the Holy Spirit has guided me and I met some wonderful people. I met some really wonderful people in the church. Uh, on top of them is my friend, Henry. Henry, who, 
who who has been a great help to me. He's like an older brother. And uh, I love him very much. And he has helped me grow in my faith. And I and I still, I only wish I knew as ha- I, half of what he knows. But, you know, he's a great teacher. He's a great, wonderful, cate- you know, you know uh, he teaches catechism. Stumbling over my words here. But he teaches catechism. He's trying to help these people. A lot of them who are so in love with, uh, who, who just want to get, in, not really in love, but I think they, they're, they're really going into, into the traditional Catholicism without even asking themselves, is this really, you didn't even grow up with it. And they're thinking we need blessed salt and the exorcism and, and all these other things, you know, or else it's not valid. How do you know it's not valid? What makes you think that the baptism I got baptized with, the baptism formula that was used for me by Father Richard uh, all those many years ago was not valid? I don't remember blessed salt. Maybe he'd used it. I don't know. But it was, it, you know, he, he, he baptized me. The formula is, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not a valid baptism? I could baptize someone like that as well. All right? A woman can, my mother can baptize someone like that. The church says anybody can perform a baptism. It's not limited. I can't do a confirmation. And I can't, I can't perform the mass, the, the, the consecration of the Eucharist. But baptism is the key to entering the faith. All right. As long as it's not we, it's not us, it's I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You could say Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, doesn't matter. You could say that. It's legal. It's valid. Why are you putting a limit on the Holy Spirit? Why are you putting a limit on God? Because of salt. I don't remember salt being mentioned in the in 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 the um, in the New Testament. Maybe it was used. Maybe not. But it doesn't. I mean, yeah, Jesus said you have to have salt in yourselves, but that's that's a metaphor for um, a preservative. It's it's metaphor for truth. It's metaphor for love. It's metaphor of faith. Okay? It's a metaphor of participating in grace. But people, I don't know where they learn all this stuff, but I think, and I'm not trying to put a slap on them, but I, I, I'm not trying to in, in, in disrespect them, what I mean. It's that they're trying to find a safe space. Because of the chaos and anarchy that's going around, around uh, all around us, the constant attack against values, morals, and be, uh, beliefs. Um, because we live in such an unstable world, uh, a constantly attack against, uh, uh, against belief and against customs and traditions. And because of the instability, a lot of people grew up without those things. And I know this for a fact because I grew up 
in a, in in a pretty much in without those traditions. My father was a was a, a Palestinian Muslim, but he was not a practicing Muslim. He didn't teach me and my brother the faith, and I'm not, you know, I'm only saying that he didn't bother to. He didn't fast. He didn't pray five times a day. He didn't take us to the mosque. He didn't do any of those things. And we grew up pretty much in a very, um, it wasn't a happy home. It wasn't a happy home. There was a lot of uh, abuse. There was a lot of unhappiness. But I got exposed either way to Palestinian culture, Middle Eastern culture, one way or another. I lived four years overseas with my grandparents in the town of Avram, that's between Ramallah and Jerusalem. And we used to go to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a very beautiful city. Yes, it made a big impression on me. Looking down at those walls, seeing those big walls, seeing the, the, the gate, seeing the the bazaar and everything. I've talked about it before in, 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 in other podcasts. The smell of the spices, the the people calling out to buy things, uh, those big gray walls and with the sun hitting it and seeing donkeys and sheep and seeing uh, the soldiers, Israeli soldiers, and going through these dark, um, dark paths and then open to openings of the sun and the smell of the sweets and the spices and music. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And when you enter the, the Christian quarter, it becomes quiet. I remember, I remember it being quiet and then seeing the, the church of the Holy Sepulchre and then seeing the dome of the rock with that beautiful golden dome. I wasn't Catholic back then, but I got exposed to Christianity in other ways. And that it was through social media. King of Kings was the first one. Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the greatest story ever told. And the day Christ died, I remember a film that talked about the day Christ died. It was that. And I got exposed to, uh, through radio, mostly through, I remember family radio. I never got exposed to Catholic radio at all during the eighties. And I remember, uh, my first King Bible was a King James Bible. And then the second was the NIV. But I remember King of Kings made an impression on me. The Sermon on the Mountain made an impression on me. The greatest story ever told made an impression on me. Jesus of Nazareth made even a bigger impression on me. And that, that right there, Jesus communicated himself through the media, through media, through television made an impression on me. He became someone, he became, he was real. He was real to me. His words were real to me. His death on the cross was real to me. Okay, and that, that actually made a big impression. And I, and I fell in love with it. And I, the symbolism, the statues, um, you know, the crucifix, those things made an impression on me. 
I didn't fully understand. No, I wouldn't say I fully understood. I didn't fully comprehend everything. But he was real. And in time, it, it didn't happen right away. It happened through many, many years. You know, uh, I saw The Exorcist. But again, it, the faith, the power of Christ... made an impression. I didn't understand everything. I'm not going to say I did. But it, it was something that helped me through the unhappiness in my home life. Latin wasn't, wasn't, you know, Catholicism was still a very distant thing. Latin was not something I was introduced to, but it was something. And every time I, I saw something that related to the Christian faith, it's funny, Catholic, the Catholic images was the first one, you see. Even Protestants wound up using Catholic images. All right? They always do. But it wasn't in time until I finally understood there was a big difference between Protestants and Catholics. But I didn't understand the arguments. I didn't understand the Reformation. I didn't understand uh, the dispute or the Bible uh, alone uh, was the first thing I heard. And then um, all the other stuff. Now, it's understandable, I think, that people would be attracted to these, I think, traditional images. But like I said, if you do not know what you love, how strong is your faith? How strong is your faith in Catholicism, if you don't know these things, if you don't know, if you want to go into the traditional Latin mass and you're saying that you don't have to read the Bible, that's like you, 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 you know, you're, you're saying I'll marry you without, but I don't have to know all everything about you. If you're trying to keep a safe distance, you're trying to, it's like, um, <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to send you a get, a get well, a get well card. All right. I never, I don't have to visit you at the hospital. See what I'm saying? I love you, but I don't have to know your favorite color, know what your favorite color is or what your favorite, uh, ice cream is or what kind of flowers you like or what's your favorite dish. I don't have to know all these things. It's not important at the moment. Seriously? Okay? The Bible is love letters from our Heavenly Father to us. And can you honestly say, if you can't bring up chapter and verse of the miracles of Jesus or the words of Jesus, and you're saying, What's important is I go to Latin Mass. I don't have to read the Bible. You do have to read the Bible. What do you think the early Christians did? You think they're going to die for something they don't know? Something they don't believe in? The fact that they were willing to endure torture, humiliation, rape, sexual abuse of every kind, right? 
all that if they didn't know Jesus? If they didn't know what the faith is all about? It's it's just ridiculous. A lot of people, yes, praying the rosary is beautiful. But when you pray the rosary, you have to dive into the mystery and make it personal. You're encountering Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. You're getting to know him. You're watching him as he's crying and weeping. And he's sweating blood for, for you and for the whole world. As he And he's, he's also experiencing the indifferences of indifferent Christians. All the evils in the world, a Pope said once, is because of lukewarm Catholics. Remember what the words of the sower some seed fell on rocky ground, right on, on, on ground, and the birds came and just took them away, which is, represents Satan stealing the words from their heart away. Some fell on ground where the thorns and thistles and weed grew and choked them. And that represented, um, you know, the cares and love of the world, and the seed didn't go into the heart. Similar to the same way, the devil's just stole them by being a raven or a crow. The, th the other one was dealing with uh, the scourge of the sun. Because there wasn't enough moisture. And that represented, uh, I might have gotten a few of them backward, but it represented persecution and tribulation. And they simply gave up on the faith. The other fell on good soil. And it multiplied in abundance. And that's what those are the ones who endured and received the word gladly. Which one are you? Which one is any of us? We're going to fall into that category, people. We're going to fall into that category. And that's dangerous. Lukewarmness damages not just you the people you love and other members of the faith it's literally a marriage without love and if anyone knows about a marriage getting married without love talk to my mother it's painful it was painful for her okay so if you're going to go into the catholic faith and say i want a traditional latin mass remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They like to wear their robes long and they like to boast and they like to to wear their, you know, the to show off their faith and they pray in public to show off to other people so they can be heard and seen. And when they give donations, they like to make public display of it. Remember that. That is very, very dangerous. But he also said they have gained their reward. You know, it's the same thing like someone coming into the banquet and not wearing a robe. The one who wears the white robe is the one who has prepared and knows the faith. Remember what he said about people who go into the prisons 
you know, you though you you know, I was in prison and you came to see me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink of water. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. You know, it's all about knowing the person. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing God. And if we don't know this, we're in trouble. If we don't know him, we have to know him. And this is the same, whether if you're a Novus Ordo Catholic, there's a lot of Novus Ordo Catholics who are also, forgive me, I'm not picking on the on the trads, but there's a lot of Novus Ordo Catholics. I'm talking about those who don't read the Bible, even in the Novus Ordo. When I began this, it was about those in the Novus Ordo parish. But if you got people in the Novus Ordo parish who don't study their faith and don't know their faith, and you got people in the in the trad trad movement who don't want to, who don't think reading the Bible is important, who don't think knowing Jesus is important because they want to stick to tradition, both are sticking through formalities. On the right and on the left, and what does it say? Jesus said, "The road is narrow to heaven. The road is narrow to heaven." straight and narrow to the road, and very few people can make it. But the way to hell is wide open. You got ones on the right, and you got one on the left. And they're both wide. Both, if, the, if Catholicism is going to survive, it, ha it needs both. both um, and, and, I, and basically it's one Catholic faith. But you have to know the Lord. Okay? How are you going to worship at Eucharistic adoration if you don't know if you don't know Jesus? How are you going to do that? How are you going to know the rosary if you don't read your Bible? The mysteries of the rosary. How? You can't always depend on the formula of a catechism, a Baltimore catechism, or 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 uh, or uh, you know the um, council. Uh, what do you call it? Um, with the traditional uh, catechism, a council of Trent. Or if you don't read the catechism, of the Catholic Church that John Paul put put out, how are you going to do that? You can't just quote chapter and chapter and formula, you know, verse and formula. Just simply quote it and just simply think that's enough. As long as I gave the right answer, because that's what everybody did before Vatican II. But no one really talked about their love for Jesus. It's the same thing in an Orthodox church. People do the same thing. People do the same thing. You know, in an, in an unhappy marriage, people do the same thing. Okay, let's move on to the final part, which is I want to talk about is diving into your faith, which is important. Okay, so um, what's the answer? Well, the answer to this is that you have to really... Uh, practice your faith. It doesn't matter whether you're a Nova Soto or a Rad Trad. Okay, you got Nova Soto people who uh, 
I think, in my opinion, yeah, they don't read their Bible. They don't read their Bible. They don't really, uh, there's some that don't practice the rosary. Not all. There are those who practice the rosary. Like I said, people like Scott Hahn. What is Scott Hahn? I say Brant Petrie uh, and uh, other um, uh, Catholics, you know, uh, I would say Orthodox practicing Catholics. What I mean by Orthodox practicing Catholics I'm not trying to separate them from, let's say, traditional movement of Latin mass or, let's say, uh, from Catholicism entirely. But these are people who, who, who take everything that's good about Catholicism. Like sometimes they're referred to as evangelical Catholicism as that title been used. Not something that is Protestant, no, or let's say an Orthodox Catholic. Meaning, you know, what I mean by Orthodox Catholic is that they're meaning those who practice Catholicism. Okay, they're comfortable whether it's in a in, it's in a Latin Mass or a very well done, uh, faithful, Nobis Ordo Mass, right? I I don't have a Latin Mass near me, and I'm not going to go kill myself. Uh, on the subway station. I mean, for crying out loud, I, I just had a bad experience on a subway station with a homeless man that decided to pull his pants down and relieve himself in front of in front of a crowd of people in a car. Okay, it's very bad to 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 ride the subways now. I'm sure a lot of you know this, and this happened to me on my way home, coming home from uh, doing a a um, uh, overtime. Which is, you know, I mean, it's a struggle. So I'm not going to ride the subway on a Sunday on the Lord's Day when I should be resting. You know, when I have a parish near me, all right, I don't have control of the of the liturgy. I don't have control of the music. It's The music is actually quite good. It's just unfortunately the liturgies. The, 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 the liturgy is, is sometimes shortened. I mean, I noticed... Um, the head pastor of the church, he prefers to use the Apostles' Creed in place of the of the of the Nessing Creed. And I realize the fellow is old. He's tired. It's a struggle for him to get to walk. It's a struggle for him to stand. His health is not great. Okay. Uh we say we say the the Our Father in Latin, the Pater Nostra, we say it in Latin. Why we don't have a uh, at least a more? I I think, like I said, I believe we could have a a good faithful Novus Ordo Mass at Orientum. I think we could do that. We could the priest facing the tabernacle, facing the altar. But this particular parish, I think, has has been set in its ways, and there's not and and there's not a lot of people asking for 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 you know for more. Um, Orthodox form of of uh, of a liter of a Novus Ordo liturgy. I know I, I still don't like using the term Novus Ordo, but because out of habit. But I think it could be done. But the problem is, it's that's not going to solve the problem. You see, that's not going to solve it all. The problem is the faith, the way it's handed down. There's. There's not a lot of people helping 
a lot of adults to get to know God closer. It's the way the faith has been handed down. I mean, remember there was there was admitted uh, Father Altman said that when he was uh, talking to a bishop, they admit that the bishops admit that they dropped the ball in a lot of things. They dropped the ball, especially in catechesis. They haven't been paying attention. And this is where the problem is. The faith has not been taught. It hasn't been taught. And therefore, a lot of people have been... um, have been cheated. Have been cheated. The 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 way uh, scripture has been passed down has been terrible. The liturgies have become. Uh, I agree with 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 Marshall that the that the priest has become more like a DJ. You know, like you see what's happening. Uh, one prefers to use the. Um, the Apostles' Creed over the Nessing Creed. All right. Uh, you might get someone uh, um, who may not want to use Latin for the Our Father. He might want to change it to English. Right. Uh, you get, uh, you, you know, you get a lot of, um, a lot of uh, uh, changes. You got the, you know, like, you know, you hear about uh, Supich doesn't like uh, the St. Michael prayer recited at the end of Mass. Well, I, I don't hear the St. Michael prayer being recited in our Mass, our liturgy, right? Uh, they could choose a longer prayer or a shorter prayer for the for the Eucharist uh, for, for for the for the Eucharist during Mass. They have they have a choice of anything, and it's it's a problem. Um, in our liturgy, we get one reading, at least one reading that's being done in Italian. Not a problem. Not a problem because I do the readings. My, I, I read it before I come to Mass. But it's just, it, you know, it, it, it's, it, this was, I think, designed deliberately for impatient <laughs> clergy. I'm sorry, but I think this was designed deliberately. It was designed deliberately for impatient clergy who are so desperate to get to get to get to get to the through the day and run off, do whatever they want to do. And sadly, I think this the the fact that you got so much bad catechesis, so much uh, distance between the people. I think when the shutdown happened, it simply, a lot of people just simply decided, well, if you don't care, I don't care. If you don't care, and a lot of people were left alone and isolated. And a lot of people realized that, you know, they never really made any connection to anyone with church. And that's, I've complained about that. Going to, going to, going to mass, there's no connection with people. People don't want to talk to you. People don't, I mean, I, I, like I said, I've gone to this parish. Nobody bothered to get to know my name except one old fellow named Dominic. Well, he, you know, he got, you know, and sadly, I still feel that way. You know, 
it's the the solution is getting to know the faith, studying, reading the scriptures, reading the gospels. I think we should focus on the gospels. Uh, read the whole the entire New Testament. Focus focus everything on the New Testament. And then slowly after you get through reading the New Testament several times, then you can go start reading the Old Testament. What's also important is the catechism. Don't read the catechism, whether it's the Baltimore Catechism or the Council of Trent Catechism or the new catechism put out by John Paul, John Paul II. Read it alongside with the Bible, mainly focus on the focus on the on the New Testament as much as possible, but read the whole Bible with the catechism. That's important. If you really want to get to know Jesus, then focus on the catechism and the Bible. That once you get those two, those two with you, you will get to know the faith. Um, if the part of the catechism talks about the Sermon on the Mountain, then focus on that as long as possible. Focus on that as long as possible. Uh, make notes. It doesn't have to be complex. All it takes is for you to be familiar what is being said, to understand the, the whole point of the catechism, to understand the whole point of the scripture. Mainly the scripture is the heart of the catechism. It's not catechism is the heart of uh, the scripture. No, it's the scripture is the heart of the catechism because the, because the catechism is built around Jesus, is built around the faith. Don't think one is separate from the other. No, they are part of it. The whole point is to make us better know our faith more. If you really, if you want an easy start, start with the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest. It's only 16 chapters and it's the shortest. And it's basically based on Peter's preaching um, on Jesus. Start with that because... That is the simplest one. And that's the one we're trying to focus on right now for this podcast. And I think that's important. We have to get to know Jesus. We have to get to know our faith. Uh, the Psalms is also a wonderful place to start because the Psalms is the prayer book. It was a prayer book of Israel. It's the prayer book of the church. Um, for your mysteries of the rosary. Yeah. Once again, it is the scripture. Read the passages that's related to it. Read the passages that's related to this. It's important that you get to know the scripture passages so that you can better pray these, these mysteries. Now, how, how do you pray it? What exactly does it mean to pray the rosary? And what does it mean to read the scripture passages? Well, an example of this is this. All right, let's let's start with something. Let's start with the first joyful mystery. The first joyful mystery is the Annunciation. Gabriel comes to the Blessed Mother and tells Our Lady that she has found grace and favor with God and that she will conceive in her womb and bear the Son of God. This is basically the, what we call the incarnation. She is the Immaculate Conception. She was prepared for this. 
She was prepared before all time and given the special grace. The special grace to be born without the sin of Adam and Eve so she can better receive the word of God in her, in her heart, in her mind. She didn't just receive Jesus in her body. She received Jesus in her soul, in the very depth of her being. She was the first one to be communion, to be in true communion with the word made flesh. She was the first. She was basically the tabernacle. She is the Ark of the Covenant. She knew she 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 had him in her for nine months in her in her in her deep in union with him. Okay, this is this is this is the whole point. And we we ask to do the same, to 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 receive him in us. In a, in a, yeah, maybe we're not going to, obviously we're not going to be pregnant with him for nine months, but we are going to have him in us for the rest of our lives. We're supposed to, when we receive him, when we receive him in the bread and wine, when we receive him in the Eucharist, and when we receive him in prayer, he's in us completely. He's, we, we, when we receive him, we're united with him. With us, it's a marriage also because the liturgy is really the marriage. We've heard it. It's the marriage feast of the Lamb. It says in the book of Revelation, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We don't receive the dead Christ. We receive the resurrected Christ. And with that, we want to be united more deeply. We want to grow. We want to love Jesus the way Mary loved him. We ask this. We always ask this, this, this important thing. How do I help me to love you the way you deserve to be loved? I don't love you enough. I always admit this to myself. I don't love you enough as you deserve to be loved. But help me, Mary, to love him the way you loved him. Help me, Mary, to know him the way you knew him. Guide me. Teach me how to know Jesus, how to be intimate with Jesus the way you are intimate with him. And help me to bring Jesus to others. Help me to walk like him, talk like him, think like him. Because that's what the imitation of Christ is. Thomas Akempis basically talks about having the mind of Christ, the manner of Christ, to imitate. That's what the imitation of Christ means. That we, that we try to imitate him as close as possible in our lives. That's what's important. Now, we do this, we bring our personal intentions and we bring our personal needs and we, we, we talk to him personally. If, you know, we can do this before the decade and after that one particular decade. The next one after is Mary visiting Elizabeth in the second joyful mystery. Sharing Christ, the love of Christ with others. Sharing the joy of this relationship with God to uh, with others. You read the scripture passage, Right? In those days, Mary got up and went to the, to, the, to the hills of Judea, to the highlands of Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth and gave her salutation. When Elizabeth heard it, heard her voice, and the, the child, filled with the Holy Spirit, the child in her womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's part of the second part of the rosary prayer of the Hail Mary. And then 
both women rejoice and Mary gives her Magnificat and stays with Elizabeth. She shares the joy of God's salvation and love with another woman older than her and the other woman older than her praises her. They both, you know, and and this this basically shows how we're supposed to be as Christians, as friends, to share the word of God, to rejoice with it. You see, you have to know the word of God, people. I'm sorry, but those of you who think you don't have to read the Bible, you're wrong. Because the truth is, you're going to be lukewarm. I'm sorry, but you're going to be developing a lukewarm and an indifference. Now, the third mystery is the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. The shepherds come, uh, the nativity of the Lord. It's basically, yeah, it should be Christmas every single day for us. And it, it should be this way. We should share the faith this way. This is how you do it. You have to do it through reading the passage of scripture. You can't do it any other way. I'm sorry, it's wrong. It doesn't work that way. Get a Bible and I know Marshall likes to talk about the Douay Reims. That's like the King James Bible of Catholics. Okay, I'm, you know it's it's a very difficult language. I know Marshall loves it, but you know, but that's his choice. There are good Bible translations. I would I would place that among uh, a good Bible translations. But the best one on the list is going to be the RSV. Second Catholic edition. Uh, the Douay Reims, I would place on the list, and I would also place the New Catholic version of the Bible, the New Catholic Bible. Um, it's not perfect, but it's better than the than the New American Bible. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's better than the New American Bible. It's a better translation. It may not be completely um, conservative in some parts, but it's better than others. At least it has the Hail Mary, the New American Bible. When um, when you read the part where Gabriel comes to see the Blessed Mother in the New American Bible, it says, uh, Hail, highly favored one or favored daughter, something like that. In the uh, the New Catholic Version, it says, Hail, Hail, full of grace. The way it's supposed to say it. You know, and 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 that's and that's and that's a, a problem because the New American Bible is, it's also loaded with bad, bad commentary. Unfortunately, it's the one we hear at mass, and I think personally, in the future, we might find the New Catholic Bible even improved more. I mean, I hope in the future we get to see it. I hope so. Did I say unfortunate? No, in the future, hopefully, it would be better. It it would be better in. In the in the part where it says where it says uh, I know not man in the new New Catholic Bible it says I'm a virgin. Okay, fine. I don't care. Fine. It works just the same. It works just the same. But it should be, you know, in the creation process, the creation text, it says God decided to make humanity in His image. All right. You know, I mean, it can be that way. It can be translated that way because it can be plural. But, you know, it could be better. I think in the future they're going to improve it because really, why would they make a Bible? You know, you have to make a Bible that people want to be more conservative. 
People want poetic vibe. They don't want their Bibles to sound like secular society. And who cares what the feminists say? They don't, I mean, a lot of them don't even go to church anyway. Most of them, you know, they always, they're going to have a problem with, with anything. They're constantly deconstructing themselves one way or another. So the politically correct uh, people don't care. They hardly ever pick up their Bible and read them anyway. They just like to win an argument. So I'm going to end it here. I really am. I'm going to end it here. And I think, uh, I think the best thing to do is just start studying your faith. Whether you're a rad trad or, you know, Latin mass going one, whether you're a, uh, uh, an evangelical Orthodox Catholic, we're all evangelical Orthodox Catholics. All of us. We just have to know our faith more. We have to. And start start helping. If you can get to know somebody, encourage them. Encourage them to read the Bible. A good thing to do sometimes with some people, you can give them a gift. Get a good Bible translation in paperback and hand it over to them as a gift. All right? If you can afford, to, if you know someone you really, really know and you want to encourage Bible reading, Get them that translation. Get them the new Catholic version and hand it. There's one with the Psalms. It's beautiful. Get it for them. You can get them a, an RSV one or a new Catholic version as one and hand it and put it in their hands. Give it them as a gift. They'll appreciate you for it. Trust me. They will. If you know them well enough and you know that they're going to pick it up and read it, do that for them, please. They deserve it. Okay, so let's end it here. Uh, let's say a Hail Mary and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully I'll come back soon with doing the Gospel of Mark, okay? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless.